Welcome back to the New York Gun Guys podcast. My name is John. And my name is Taylor. Taylor. Yeah, man. Tell me what we're talking about today. This is pretty cool, we're going to be talking about the one, the only, U.S. Rifle Caliber 30 M1 Garand. Garand? Yeah, Garand. thought it was Garand. Technically, he pronounced his name Garand. John C. Garand. I mean... You could say it either or, but yeah. I'm just being correct here. <laughs> I learned that from our Lord and Savior, Gun Jesus, Ian McCollum. He, he pointed out right, that the name was pronounced right. Garand, and I'm like, oh, yeah, that's well, fair. I'm going to give the guy credit. I mean, yeah. I don't want to be mispronouncing his name like a yeah. schmuck. The guy probably knows better about how his name was pronounced <laughs> than we do. Yeah, but, uh... yeah, for sure. And um, here with me today, I have one of the M1s, one of my M1s. We're going to try and catch this sound. On, yeah, let's uh, see if we can get this sound. Yeah, you ready, try. John? Yeah. Yeah, man. <laughs> I don't know how that's gonna come out. I think I heard it pretty good over the uh, over my headphones we'll, here. We'll find out. But yeah, that was a the empty N block clip ejecting. Probably out one of the, of the most I don't even know recognizable symbolic yeah. sounds of. Oh yeah, you know what it is when you hear arms. it if you're into yeah. guns. Yeah. Um. Yeah. I ha- we actually have a firearm here with us today. It's right. unloaded and you know everything. So yeah, it's safe. Um, it's very safe, but. The past couple episodes, we were talking about some important legislation and laws mm-hmm. and everything that's going on in New York, but... All important stuff. We call ourselves the New York Gun Guys, and, well, it's now time. we actually talk yeah, about some guns. Time to talk about guns. I know, right? Oh, man. So... You can tell Taylor's super excited about this. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's... it's Okay, look, so, like, we're, we are the New York Gun Guys. This is the first time I've ever held an M1. Right. I mean, it's... It's just one of those things that everybody recognizes, everybody knows what it is, more or less, but yeah. this is the first time I've held one, and I it, think, it feels good. Yeah. It feels good to hold. I think next to an AK and an AR, this is probably one of the more recognizable firearms throughout the world. If you see a silhouette of it, you know, oh, that's an M1. Sure. U.S. You know? Right. I think it's just, it's, man, I mean, it's so it's so recognizable, as you said. Right. It's, it's like, you see it, and you just automatically think America. I think in terms of firearms recognition, Right. You could stack it up like the AK would be number one, the A uh, the M sixteen would be number two, probably, number yeah. three would probably be the FAL, and then number four would probably be the Garand. Right. In terms of just like a silhouette, see that. you know, recognition. Oh, I know what that is. Yeah, I mean, it's definitely one of the most American things. You know. Oh yeah. But, you know, what a lot of people might not realize is that these guns are used all over the world. Oh man, they are used all over the world. And a little later, I'm going to get right. into kind of some of the history of. This specific M1, and then some right. of the other M1s that I right. that I got. Um, so I mean, to get right into it, basically, mm-hmm. for those who don't know, <laughs> which I'm hoping that some people here have some knowledge of this, but this is why we're here to, to talk about it. Right. The uh, the M1 Garand's 30 out six caliber semi-automatic rifle, and it was a standard U.S. service rifle during World War II and the Korean War, and also saw a limited service into Vietnam. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. It was in service from 1936 to 1958 as a standard U.S. service rifle and is still being used by many other countries, militaries, guerrilla groups, insurgencies to this day. Um, Its designer, a guy named John C. Garand, Mm -hmm. was originally designed in 1928, and it was manufactured in mass for the wars by Springfield Armory, Winchester, the same Winchester that people know and love, Uh, Harrington and Richardson, International Harvester, the same people that made tractors and farm equipment and Mm -hmm. whatever else. And then abroad, they were made by Beretta, Breda, and FMAP. And then for a while, domestically, they were made by Springfield Armory Incorporated. Not to be confused with the military Springfield. They just bought the name and, you know, used that as their marketing, basically. It's a a commercial company that bought the Springfield name. Okay. 
and they just make guns like the M1A and and a bunch of other firearms mm. now, mm. which you know it's 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 just a marketing thing in my opinion. Right. Um, interesting fact about the uh, the M1 rifle: during World War II, they cost about eighty five dollars to produce at the time, which is equivalent to a little over twelve hundred dollars in today's dollars. Produced from nineteen thirty four to nineteen fifty seven. And they built approximately 5.4 million of them. Wow. Yeah. And the, um, the Garin is obviously named after its Canadian-American designer, John C. Garand, who immigrated here from Canada, I believe, as a child, and got, it was interested in firearms design and started work at um, Springfield. Mm-hmm. Made a bunch of different um, designs. I believe he also was um, credited for li- like a light machine gun or something. Mm, okay. Um, Basically, one interesting thing also about this design is that it is the first standard-issue semi-automatic military rifle adopted and put into widespread use. Now, the widespread use is key because technically, in World War I, the French had the RSC 1917. It could be considered the first, but they only produced around 86,000 of them, and they were only produced for like a year or two. So there's not many around today. They didn't really survive. Mm-hmm. They weren't really put into mass mm-hmm. fielding. Um, so technically you could say that they were the first, and I mean, even the, the Russians had the Fedorov, which is a select fire rifle mm-hmm. that was around in World War II, but it wasn't issued in mass. It wasn't, um, given to a lot of soldiers and it, it was a really kind of right. complicated design. Um, getting into the early history of it, basically I'm not, I could talk hours and hours about all the different prototype right. designs and, mm-hmm. and everything that John Garin had to go through in order to get this gun to where it is today. Right. But basically just in a nutshell, it was actually not originally designed in 30 6 Didn't know if you know this. No, I didn't know that. It was originally designed in a caliber called 276 Pedersen. After a guy by the last name of Pedersen, I forget his first name, he had an interesting toggle lock type rifle that he submitted for trials for the U.S. military. It mm-hmm. kind of had the same toggle lock like a Luger, kind of okay. like accordioned up. Right. Um, 276 Pedersen was a really good intermediate cartridge, and it really lent itself well ballistically to very kind of similar to like 6.5 Grendel of today Mm -hmm. because they realized that a smaller round can go faster. You could carry more ammunition, and it had less recoil. Mm -hmm. So there was many benefits that we saw later on with the adoption of the 5.56 moving away from the 308 and then subsequently the Mm 30-06. You know, we went to smaller, lighter, faster calibers. So... um, the design was really good in 276. The, t- the testing was really good. But the Army Chief of Staff at the time, General Douglas MacArthur, you mm-hmm. know, of course, very well-known guy, right. he personally disapproved of any caliber change in part because it was ex- extensive existing stocks of 30 caliber M1 ball ammunition. Because before the M1 Garand, the 1903 used 30-06 and many other mm-hmm. machine guns used 30-06. The mm-hmm. Browning uh, BAR used 30-06. So... Mm-hmm logistically they didn't want to have this whole new caliber and have yeah. all these different um logistic supply chains right. he just wanted it in 30-06 right. well they already had this they already had a lot of stock and i assume they already had the infrastructure right. to make it exactly so it kind of makes sense right and to scale it up there was some issues as well um to scale it up from its design mm-hmm. from, from 276 to 30-06 but they were eventually worked out and um now we have the M1 and 30-06. Right. And to kind of get into a little anecdote story, people, you know, there's a, there's a famous saying that General George Patton called it the greatest battle implement ever devised. It was actually in a letter that was written to Springfield about the M1 on the 26th of January, 1945. 
But it wasn't only about the M1. He went on to praise the Ordnance Department for the machine guns, mortars, artillery, and tanks as well. Mm -hmm. So the first power in the first paragraph, of the sentence was, you know, the M1. In my opinion, the M1 is the greatest battle implement ever devised. Mm -hmm. And then he says, but the Ordnance Department has, you know, really great stuff, including tanks and right. artillery and right. machine guns. So basically, he was praising the U.S.'s Ordnance Department and their right. effort to have really the best of everything the best, at the, the time. Best, yeah. yeah. Sure. Um, so that's kind of a little backstory. Now, one interesting thing mm -hmm. is that it is a semi-automatic firearm, right. and most everyone knows it as a uh, piston-driven uh, design. Well, it's not a piston. It's, a, it's an operating rod that's, that taps off from gas from the barrel. Right. But the first, I believe, 80,000 was actually a gas trap system known as a gas trap grant. Mm -hmm. And basically what that was was at the end of the barrel, there was a little space and there was a shroud that went over it and it trapped gas behind the bullet before it exited the assembly. And that's what pushed the operating rod, the piston that's connected to the operating rod. Um, there were some problems with that. And most people know today a semi-automatic is you just drill a hole in the barrel, have a gas block, and that's mm -hmm. what pushes it back. But mm -hmm. at the time, remember, this is early semi-automatic technology. They didn't, they didn't believe that drilling a hole in the barrel was a good idea. They thought it would decrease accuracy, it would increase barrel wear, it would do all these kind of like negative things. Right. But subsequently, the gas trap system had had a lot of problems, and they f they figured, well, a hole in the barrel, a small hole, isn't really that big of a deal. And we know it today. That's what pretty much every semi-automatic mm -hmm. um, gas-operated firearm uses. Right. So they converted. They got a lot of those guns back. They converted them over to um to the regular now, do gas any of those still system. exist out yeah, there in their original format yeah there are some that still exist they're very rare to come across of today course. they're in museums and on some private collections right, right. um but the cool thing is the guns themselves with the serial numbers that were originally issued as gas trap guns are still out there today very low serial number guns i believe right. up to eighty thousand. so you could still pick up a, a garand that had a serial number that would have been a gas trap gun right. but, but obviously converted yeah so that's an interesting piece. Um, cool. The gun that I have here in my hands right now is a Springfield 2.5 million serial number. The barrel is now this this gun I, I brought because it has a little bit of an interesting history to it. Okay, cool. Um, basically, a lot of these guns were rode hard, put away wet. I got this one from the CMP. Um, we're going to talk about this. Yeah, we're going to talk about the CMP in a little while. Um, great organization, honestly, <laughs> the, the best place to get M1 rifles from, in my right, opinion. Right. If you just want one and you 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 want to maybe start a collection, it is a little bit of work to get to it, yeah, but it's, it's not it's not the most impossible. I mean, we we talked about paperwork and probably I think that was our first episode, right? And uh, this isn't that bad though, right? So this gun was the serial number puts it around 1944, I believe, um, if I remember correctly. I didn't have it written down, but I'm pretty sure it's 1944. The barrel date is a Springfield barrel dated 1942. So when I saw that, I'm like, why is a barrel dated 1942 if the gun is 1944? The stock doesn't have the manufacturer cartouche on the left-hand side, the Springfield Ordnance Department marks on the left-hand side, but it does have the P at the, uh, the pistol grip, which indicates proof firing. So there's actually two P stamps down there. So I'm like, well, it's obviously an original era stock, but it doesn't have the, the original Springfield cartouches as mm -hmm. issued from the factory. So one cool thing about these guns is just, you know, you could kind of maybe piece together a little bit of history from old guns. Um, when I took this apart to clean it, um, on the underside of the, on the top of the barrel, on the underside of the handguard, there's interesting stamps that I, I had to look up. I didn't know what they were, what they were. 
basically, this gun was rebuilt at a place called OBS3, Oscar Bravo Sierra 3. And OBS3, I had to look up, was actually in Australia, which was, you know, pretty cool. So this gun made it to Australia at some point. It was Well, yeah, it was or... used in the, in the Pacific Theater. Um, it was used in the Pacific Theater and then rebuilt in Australia. So, I mean, that, that to me definitely shows that, you know, it was used and then... Yeah, do you think it was used? Do you think it was ever fired in anger? Oh, I would imagine so. OBS3, mm-hmm. I just had to just really quick look at my notes here. OBS3 mm-hmm. is in Brisbane, Australia, mm-hmm. which I believe from what I, what I read was the Pacific headquarters of General MacArthur. Okay. Um, and there's actually a funny little story about the Battle of Brisbane, if you ever wanted to look that up. Basically, it was a riot that happened between Australian soldiers and American soldiers mm-hmm. in, the ta- in, the, in Brisbane. Mm-hmm. And it, it's pretty interesting, which I never knew anything about. Right. Um, it actually, the gun has a rebuilt date on it, and the rebuilt date is 7 mm-hmm. So, pretty much at the end of the war, um, we're close to the end of the war. And um, so, my what I kind of stitched together from this gun was built in 1944, mm-hmm. was sent to the Pacific, saw some, you know... Some shit. It's been in some shit in the Pacific. (laughs) I don't know. I can't say for what or for who. Right. It was rebuilt in July of 1945 in Brisbane, Australia. And Mm. they probably had another gun. They just threw a barrel on it, you know, because they were just an Ordnance Depot trying to repair rifles. Right. Um, They slapped a new stock on it and uh, sent it on on its way. I got you. I think that, you know, a a gun with a, a history like this is really interesting. And it really taught me a lot of. You know things that I never really knew before, right? And uh, this was this was my first M1. I got into M1s kind of recently, but I've always wanted one for many years. But mm-hmm. the cost was always something that was really prohibitive, right? Um, but the CMP allows you to purchase them at a discounted price, right. and um, so, so Taylor, tell us just really quickly because we've said CMP a couple <laughs> times, and I, don't, I mean I'm sure a lot of you already do know, but what is the CMP? Basically, the CMP is the for? Civilian Marksmanship Program. Okay. Right. And to give a little backstory on the CMP, they were originally founded in 1903 by Teddy Roosevelt. Um, they okay. used to be called, I believe, the DCM or the CMP. They had a different name mm-hmm. at the time. Mm-hmm. But basically, the organi- organization was started because Teddy Roosevelt realized, man, a lot of these people I'm, I'm going to battle with can't shoot for crap. Right. So he started a program to sell surplus guns surplus firearms to the, the civilian population to provide training, mm-hmm. marksmanship training, mm-hmm. youth training. And I guess just to promote the overall... Yeah, promote the yeah, overall shooting, shooting sports. sports. Right. So as the years went on, it was a department of the Army, I believe. Mm-hmm. And um, at the time, they were known as the DCM, the Department of Civilian Marksmanship. And over the years, you were able to buy... Back then, the rules were a little different, and I'm a little fuzzy on the rules. But if I remember correctly, you were able to buy like one... M1 rifle from them at the time, and that right. was your M1. Right. And then in the 90s, Congress basically said, you know what? We don't need to keep running this. We're going to separate you t- into your own nonprofit mm-hmm. in order to keep running the program as I a mean, nonprofit. It is, when you were originally telling me about this, it kind of struck me as interesting that, you know, the government was involved in, oh, yeah. in uh, providing firearms to, well, to you civilians. Well, you know what? But, I mean, it was, you know, a different time. It was a different but, time. Uh, it's just it's just one of those things where it, right now it feels like 
the government is just so against. Oh, firearms. I know. So to I even know. think about the government saying, "Hey, let's we have a lot of guns." Well, let's that's just, exactly let's it. Get them out of here and give them to everybody. Because know, remember, at the time, there was a time and place in this country where people were really proud to be American, right? And they were really proud to say, "You know what? I have a gun." that was used, that was given to me by the army. Right. And if anything were to ever happen, right. I could use this to defend this country. Right. They, there was a time and period where people did think that way. Right. And I mean, a lot of people still think that way. Yeah. Yeah. But I mean, like I, you said, right. the, the over, the theme of America this day is that, you know, we're horrible. Unfortunately, the right. government, you know, right. is terrible. And right. The government did do some pretty terrible shit. Not gonna, right. not gonna paint that picture that they're all this great people. But mm-hmm. you know, there was a lot more patriotism. There was a lot more love right. for the country and the history right. that we had gone through. Um, so yeah. Anyway, what I was saying was, in the nineties, the um, the government basically said, you know, hey, you guys, we're gonna split you into a nonprofit so you guys could operate independently, but we're gonna authorize you to sell surplus rifles. Mm-hmm. And at the time, they had you know M1 carbines. Crags, 1903s, Garands, and then now they actually were selling surplus 1911s, mm. which was pretty cool. Yeah, I know. I should have got on that. Yeah, you should have. Are they like this? It's forever done, or they're they're still sending out orders, and they're still like people who signed up for it like like a year or two ago right. are finally getting a call saying, "Hey, your number came up. We have a gun for you." Okay. So it's allegedly a long allegedly I heard they're going to do another round, but I can't confirm that. Um, yeah. for the 1911s, but it's all dependent upon, you know, where the guns come from. So basically now that the CMP is his own organization, they have a marksmanship park. They, they have this beautiful range in Alabama. Oh, mm-hmm. it looks amazing. It's like mm-hmm. a pilgrimage. You might have to take a trip. Oh my God. I'd love to. They have a store far. in Ohio and they have a facility in, in Anniston, Alabama. Right. Now, where do they get these guns from? Mm-hmm. Right? So in years past, they used to get them straight from the government. And the government would say, hey, we're going to release these guns. We were going to destroy them. Do you want them? And they're like, yeah, we'll take them and fix them up a little bit, refurb them, and Mm -hmm. sell them to the population. In recent years, they've relied on governments that we had sent these guns to who don't want them anymore to return them to us. Basically, part of the Lend-Lease Agreement was that, hey, we're going to give you guys these guns, but if you guys ever don't want them anymore, we get first crack at them. Mm, So. Recently, these batch of guns that I have came from the Philippines. Okay. So the Philippine government, um, we lent them guns after World War II. During and after World War II, Mm -hmm. we provided them with a lot of military aid. And now they're getting rid of these guns because they don't need them anymore. And they're collecting them up from all these provinces and all these guerrilla fighters that still have them. So like this batch that you you have came from the Philippines. But where, where, like what other locations in the world does Um, the CMP, you know, basically collect recollect these firearms from. right recently the most recent ones that i can think of off the top of my head are greece turkey denmark england um we were getting them back we were supposed to get them back from south korea but right. you know thanks to our last president that got mm-hmm. blocked mm-hmm. um and then before that i mean we were getting them back from the army themselves i mean right. we were they, they had stockpiles of them and mm-hmm. a lot of them were were unfortunately destroyed it's funny, I looked up the serial number on this gun, and uh, there's a website where you could look up them up, and people can post what serial numbers they have and where they got it from. Um, and I looked up the serial number on this one, and then the one that was right after this one was actually, it shows as being destroyed by the government. 
being demilitarized. Wow. Yeah, wow. they would just they would just destroy him. You know, it's it's sad because I don't know about you, but when I when I when I look at you know an M1, it's almost like it has a soul. It does. You know? It does. It <laughs> you was know, made... it's like it's almost you're you're looking at it, it's like damn, you know, like these were called upon by the government mm-hmm. to to save the world essentially. And, oh yeah, and you know, for them to just be ground up or melted down, yeah. it's it's sad. You That's know? what it's, the government does, though, man. Yeah. They they view them right. as. Something that's taking up space and they right. don't need them anymore. And yeah, I mean, it makes sense from a government standpoint, but it from, does. you know, from a, a from a gun lover, yeah. and it's just you look at it, it's just like wow, like what what the just what this gun did. I know, just as a whole, you know, I know. for for not only the U.S. but the world. Oh, you know, I know, it's amazing. I know, and when we fielded these in World War II, I mean, we were way ahead of the curve when it came to you know semi-automatic technology at the time. I mean. The Germans, I think they had the G43 that came out, and then subsequently the Sturmgewehr, the assault mm-hmm. rifle. Um, but the beginning of the war, we went into war with this, and right. everyone else was pretty much using bolt actions. Right. right. And we really had this superior firepower right. coming from this. And it was made in a time when you look at it, when you take one of these apart and you look at it, the way it's machined, the way it's designed, it's a lot more of an old-school, elegant-type design. Mm-hmm. Um, Simpler? Not simpler, per se, but you, you look at it kind of like you, you see an old building, and you're like, mm. it's just very, it, it just kind of strikes something in you. It's just I very see. grand, no, no pun intended, right. but just very elegant, very designed at a time when they really took care right. to what they did. Right. You know, the way the me- the lifter mechanism works to get the rounds out of the clip. Mm. It's just very smooth, and, you know, you think about a time also, this wasn't designed by a computer. This wasn't designed mm. by software. This was yeah. somebody with a piece of paper and a pen and or a drafting right. table right. making measurements and trial and error making prototypes and them not working and having to mm-hmm. you know build a gun to see if it'll essentially work yeah well i mean a lot of, i mean i'm sure a lot of things now that are produced are you they're balancing effectiveness right. with mass production in right. mind and right. how can we make as many of these as we possibly can while maintaining a fair balance of effectiveness and right we have the benefit today of computer-aided design and right. technology and software to even build a gun virtually and work out any bugs potentially before you even right. cut a piece of metal. Right. Um, and this gun, you know, they didn't have that. It, it's truly amazing. For anybody that wants to hear a good anecdote story, look up the development of the M1 carbine. That is a very interesting story. And um, Ian McCollum from Forgotten Weapons has a really good video on it because uh, Ted Carbine Williams often gets all the credit for designing it and building it, but there was actually the engineers that really came to the rescue last minute, building Mm -hmm. stuff from memory, machining bolts from memory to Mm -hmm. to replace a broken one at a trial because otherwise it wouldn't pass. Mm -hmm. Truly an amazing story. Mm -hmm. So that's just a side anecdote. So, you know, the M1 is... is is a really a really good weapon system. So other guns have been designed yeah. based off of yeah. off the, the M1. So what, just kind of talk about a little bit the other guns that were designed just you know let's say you 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 can't get your hands on one of these for whatever whatever the reason is and you still want something that's a similar you know I guess a similar firearm right. or a similar system. So you know kind of talk about the guns that were Yeah, the lineage of the M1 is still around today. I mean, the M1 rifle spawn the m1 carbine which is fed by a magazine mm-hmm. the m14 which is fed by a magazine mm-hmm. it's basically a scaled down m1 with improvements and um select fire capability in the m14 and then you have 
Bill Ruger designed the Mini 14 mm-hmm, as... Which, which I have. Like right. Discussed. Right. As a direct descendant of the M1 system, the operating, the gas-powered operating rod system. Right. Um, and then that spawned things like the Mini 30, the Mini 14 family of rifles, mm-hmm. the Select 14 Mini... Uh, Select Fire Mini 14. Mm-hmm. And, I mean, today, even Springfield Armory Incorporated's M1A rifle. Right. Which is a, a, a modern commercial reproduction semi-automatic of the M14 service rifle. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's still in use today, and I, I pulled up really quickly just a list of wars that the M1 rifle was attributed to being in. I'm oh, just going to sure read it. Oh, my God. List. World War II, the Indonesian National Revolution, the Korean War, the 1948 Arab-Israeli War, mm-hmm. the Hugpalap Revo- Rebellion, Indo-Pakistani Wars, the First Indochina War, mm-hmm. Algerian War, the Suez Crisis, the 1958 Lebanon Crisis, the Cuban Revolution, the Bay of Pigs Invasion, Vietnam War, the Laotian Civil War, the Six-Day War, the Cambodian Civil War. I mean, it goes on and on, all and, the way up to including... Mm-hmm. The Afghan wars, the Gulf War, the Troubles in Ireland, right? Uh, the Iraq War, the Syrian Civil War, and numerous other conflicts. And and these firearms that were used in all these different wars, I mean, those did originate as U.S. firearms, or w- were other companies able to buy these from the manufacturer? No. Basically, what happened was a lot of times we would give um, rifles as aid. For example, right. in Iran. Right. So they originated in the U.S. essentially. Right. Okay. Back back in the day in the 70s, we gave International Harvester M1s to Iran because at the time they were kind of aligned with us and mm-hmm. we gave them aid. Well, a lot of those guns, you know, you know the way Iran went. <laughs> a lot of guns made their way from Iran into Iraq, into Syria, and they're still mm-hmm. pulling them out of places. Mm-hmm. There's a famous photo of an M1 uh, being held by a U.S. soldier that was found, I believe, in Afghanistan. Mm-hmm. Um, recently. Yeah, pretty recently. You know, recently. And they're still popping up i i saw pictures of them being used in syria you mm-hmm. know in the syrian civil mm-hmm. war a guy holding an m1 with a bandolier ammunition around his mm-hmm. chest i mean they're still floating around there's there's still a very proven mm-hmm. system and you were saying to me earlier that isis has yeah isis has been known to to be using these so that's, the, i mean even that i mean that's crazy well <laughs> it's kind of ironic basically uh, an interesting video was put out by um by a, a guy on YouTube called Midway Five One Two, I believe he's he's he was on the History Channel and a bunch of stuff. Mm-hmm. He's also affiliated with the CMP. But basically, the where these guns came from in the Philippines, mm-hmm. um, they had what was known as the Battle of Marawi, um, which basically ISIS established a caliphate in the city of Marawi. Mm-hmm. If I'm pronouncing that right, and the Philippine government had to go in and fight them. It was the first place that ISIS established a caliphate outside of the Middle East. Mm-hmm. Um, it was a five-month-long armed conflict, and it started in, in May of 2017 between the Philippine government security forces and militants affiliated with the ISIS, Islamic State of Iraq and, you know, ISIL, ISIS, ISIL, right. whatever. Um, <laughs> it also became the longest urban battle in modern history in the Philippines. So they took over a town, and if you look, if you look up pictures of this conflict, I mean— it's a it's a fucking war zone like right. bombs and right. it, it was crazy right. Right. and there's pictures of ISIS ISIL whatever you call them militants mm-hmm. using M1 rifles that's crazy and it was it was highlighted in a speech given by that that same guy I don't know his name offhand but he goes mm-hmm. by Midway five one two on YouTube mm-hmm. at the uh, Grand Collectors Association in 2019 he gave a speech about it and where these guns came from in the Philippines and how you know the, the Philippines is still 
ongoing battling ISIS and people are still using M1 rifles. Um, these guns that came out of the Philippines were a little rough. They were kind of road hard, put away wet, mm-hmm. not ideal storage conditions. Right. But some of them do have really interesting history to them, right. like this one. Right. I mean, who knows what happened after World War II to this gun, but somehow it, it ended up in the Philippines and then got sent back here. And it doesn't look like it was used very much in the Philippines. But one thing that they're finding is that um, fighters, guerrilla fighters that are still in the jungle, ISIS militants, and even on the outlying islands in the Philippines, there's families that are still fighting with each other mm-hmm. for whatever reason. Mm-hmm. I don't know. But the government sponsored a program, hey, turn in your guns and nothing will happen to you. You know, you're not going to get arrested, which uh, sounds similar to here. Well, it's, it, I mean, it's very <laughs> different there because there's actually like right. conflict and right, war going right, on. Right, right. And, I mean, the Philippine government, they don't fuck around. <laughs> they kill right. drug dealers. Like, right. Right. you know, they're very, I, my, I'm, I'm married to a Philippine woman and um, her family is very great and they have a lot of pride for their country. And it's very interesting to learn about it. But they're finding all these guns that are hidden away in the jungles for 30 years, 40 right. years and still right. work. I mean, they're used by militants, guerrilla fighters, and they still work. Right. They're in yeah, rough cool. shape, but they're still being used. Mm-hmm. And that is one thing that I really got to like about these guns, because normally my collecting interest was mostly Eastern Bloc, um, post-World War II, Cold War type stuff. Mm -hmm. But I've always wanted a Grand, and getting into the history of these rifles, it's like, wow, they're still in use today, much like the AK. Mm -hmm. I mean, they're still... I mean, the AK is obviously a lot more prevalent, but these old guns are just still out there, and that we can have them and own them. Right. Oh, and and that kind of gets into... Because, you know, you mentioned having and owning... These are. This is fully legal. In, oh yeah, uh, in New York State. So oh yeah. Anybody who who wants one is, you know, except in New York City. Of well, course. we kind of have to exclude New York City from a lot of things anyway. Yeah, I like, know. If you live in New York City, you might just want to leave. <laughs> well, uh, eh, I'm not going to get into that. But look, I know we said, you know, stay, and stay, stay, stay. But I mean, man, just move to it, Nassau they County. Make <laughs> they make it really hard. I mean, there is a permitting process, but if for those of you who don't know, you you need a permit to even have a, a shotgun. Yeah, a rifle, shotgun, I mean, and it can only be of a certain kind. The most prevalent rifles that people own in in New York City are Mini 14s, mm-hmm. um, the Caltech SU16, and I believe the Fight Light. Um, they have like a. Uh, AR type platform, but mm. it's just like a regular rifled stock, and yeah, man. I mean, New York City is a. Uh, you know what? I kind of get it. the The more people you shove into one space, I guess the the, the more supervision they need. But it 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 does. I mean, but I mean, even I mean, what about people out in Staten Island or Brooklyn? You know, who have houses who not who don't right. just live in big apartment no, and, buildings. And I agree. You know, I that's agree. one thing that gets me the diversity in New York City. You know, you could live in parts where you have a, a house with a yard and a driveway and you know but right. then you have the people that live in midtown manhattan well listen i mean in, they're all in, under the same jurisdiction right, in, in the bronx there's um you know at the it's like the the south bronx area i mean you can go right up right down to the water and it looks like you're on long island i know you go two blocks over and and there's it you looks know, housing like buildings and yeah. yeah i mean it's it's just it's so crazy how you can go from front yards, driveways to, you know, housing projects. And yeah, it looks like the Battle of Marawi. Yeah, it looks like <laughs> it's, it's scary over there yeah, sometimes, man. Well, it, it can be. Oh, yeah. But that's that's a reason why people... I would who, love an M1. Right, that's what I'm saying. <laughs> people who are, who are, law, who are uh, law-abiding should should have firearms. Right, you know? exactly. And one thing that I, I like getting back to the M1 is that it is a New York legal right. 
full-powered battle right. rifle right. that has history that you could have. Mm -hmm. It doesn't take detachable right. magazines. Right, I mean, right. I would love an M14 or an M1, don't get right. me wrong, which you can have in New York. It's just got to be compliant. But, you know, a gun like this with this much history, with this much age if to you're it. Looking in, if you're looking for a rifle where you don't have to worry about things compliant. being compliant and you don't have to worry about going to the range and, and if you're worried about you know, the police rolling up. Not that I think that would ever happen no. to you, but if you are worried about that, this is something that you, you could purchase right. right now off the shelf. You don't have to think about it. Right. And there's many places you can get it from. I mean, you could go to your gun shop. I'm sure they probably have an M1 or two mm -hmm. laying around. Well, M1, you know, one or two M1s. Right. Not yeah, an I know. M2. But, um, you know, they're available, and that's the cool thing. And you could right. pick... You know, if you want to get even specific, if you're a collector, I mean, you could pick the year, you could pick the maker, you can, you know, you could really like, like anybody who collects firearms, you could start collecting them. Yeah. Granted, the price on them has gone up significantly in years, and I'm kicking myself again for not buying one years ago, right. but... Um, well, we're older now. We're... I know. We have a little bit more disposable income right. and make right. that credit card bill work a little bit, you know? <laughs> right. Uh, oof. <laughs> sure. I just picked up two today. So... Um, well, tell me about... Um, you know, if because there is dealing with the CMP, there is some paperwork, but the price is significantly right. less. So, right. if you were to go to a gun shop, Taylor, like let's say on Long Island, what just a, a very average base price? What are you looking? Minimum looking at? one thousand, and all the it could be up until. Oh yeah, depending on I mean, the condition, could, the originality. If it's all original, sky's the limit. Parts, yeah, right. it it really does. So you're probably looking at at least a thousand dollars. Plus tax. And, yeah, plus tax. And right. I, I see him go anywhere from 1000 to 1200 just for your run-of-the-mill, right, right. you know, uh, M1. Well, like a field grade, what you would call well, it. Well, yeah, just like your regular run-of-the-mill, just right. normal, you know, has been used. Just I, I would say about 1000 right. to 1200 Now, if you're looking to get one from the CMP, right? What what's the price that, that they're going for? What, you know, how much, how much did you pick up? You know, one of yours for. So the CMP is a great organization, and they have different grades available based on the condition of the gun as they receive it. Mm -hmm. um, I chose a lower grade at the time when I got mine. A lot of them were sold out. They, mm -hmm. you know, the grades were sold out. But mm -hmm. basically, my choice was between what was known as a field grade and a service grade. I went with the field grade, which was six hundred and fifty dollars. That's not bad. At no, all. not bad at all. And the service grade was seven hundred fifty dollars. Also not bad. No, at the time when I ordered my first round of M ones, uh, they didn't have service grades available, or they were backlogged because of COVID. So yeah. I'm like, okay, let me just get some field grades. Yeah. This one that I got here was a field grade, and it's in amazing condition. And I've seen them run the gambit from being in really kind of eh condition to just amazing, unused. Right. It really depends. Right. Um. The last order that I put in, I put in in early July. Mm. Uh, yeah, early July, and I just picked up today. Um, okay, two field grade as well. They're in kind of rough shape. Maybe a part needs to be replaced, like the like mm. the the rear swing sling swivel. Mm. I didn't tear into it too much because I literally picked them up and came right here. I was so right, excited. Right. Um, but with a little bit of cleaning, a little bit of just kind of reconditioning and some mm. TLC, mm -hmm. they're great shootable guns. The barrels are really good on them, and it's a piece of history for sure. Right. Um, so yeah, I paid 650 bucks a piece. For Is these that, now did they hit you for tax? No, no sales okay. tax Very nice. and free shipping. Free shipping. I mean, free and shipping. it's overnight shipping, right? Free overnight FedEx shipping. Oh, man. And, and it comes in a beautiful case, yeah. which is... It's yep. appropriate for what it is. It comes I in mean, a beautiful plastic molded it's case. A hard, now, it's a hard case. One of the benefits of the CMP to states 
unlike New York, if you live in a, a different state other than New York, they'll ship it right to your house. Right. You don't have to go through an FFL because... But of course here we have to because of the New York Safe Act. Right. Because of a memorandum of understanding between Congress and the CMP, the CMP is authorized basically to run a background check on you at their location mm -hmm. and then ship it straight to your door. Makes no CNR03 required, right. none of that. It just ships straight to your door. Right. And free shipping straight to your door, I mean, right. come on. When, when, when you get it, where are you going to get that in 2020 right. without having an 03 good. or an FFL? No tax, no, no tax. shipping. It's overnight. And it's, yeah. I'm assuming you get a tracking number. Yeah. They give you a tracking, tracking number. number I mean, it's insured. Um, I believe so. FedEx normally yeah, has. Be. Yeah. And you know what? I've, I've read on forums and people I've spoken to that if honestly, if your gun shows up crack stock, they'll, you, they'll, they'll send you another one. Right. Well, another, no, you ship them stock. back. Oh, okay. You could even ship it back to them and they'll replace it or they'll ship oh, okay. you a stock. Right. They make it right. The CMP makes it right. Right. Obviously, some things happen outside of their control and shipping, but I mean, the case that it comes in is 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 uh, molded the, to the shape of the gun. The case, and we're gonna put picture. I'm gonna put pictures of the of the firearm up on our uh, on our Instagram, Facebook, right. and and stuff like that. I'll put links in the show notes, and but I'll, I'll put pictures of the firearm. I'll put pictures of the case. The case, I mean. Dude, it looks like a case that you would pretty much buy at like a gun store. Right. It's just molded specifically for this case this isn't firearm. cheap. Yeah, it's, it's it's a nice case, man. Yeah, it really is, and it has the um, the anti humidity, the desiccant in it as yeah. well. They used to have a regular foam case, but people said that it trapped moisture and it had rust, caused rust on the rifle, so they right. switched to this. Right. And it seals up. It's got a like the plastic seals up into one another, and it's really nice. Um, so basically the process to order one in New York, it does have to get shipped to an FFL and you do have to pay a transfer. So first I want you to tell me and everybody else out there, cause even cause I'm starting to get into this stuff now. Right. Um, explain to me how you go about contacting a dealer and sending over or getting whatever they need right. from the, from wherever right. you're buying it. And we're assuming, you know, you're buying something online or, you know, in this case you're buying from the CMP. So right. what is, what is the FFL? need well from me the cmp is a little different than a lot of other organizations because they still operate by mail you can't go on the website and buy a firearm right. you have to mail in a packet and then they receive it and then right. so it's a little bit old school but that's that's the way they work you right. could go on their website and buy things like ammunition and parts and whatever else and right. you could do that online but for rifle sales firearm sales you have to do it by mail right. but as far as getting the ffl the information they need right so I can only speak to the FFL that I had went to. Some FFLs are very different, but mm. you have to provide a copy of the FFL in your mailing packet. Okay. Some FFLs have a problem with giving out a copy of their FFL, but the way my FFL did it was he made a copy, he blocked the lower portion, and he wrote on the paper, this is for two M1 rifles, I'm transferring for Taylor's birth date this. You know, he put my information and his information, so that way... And he, he wrote on the FF, the copy of the FFL, not for in-person use. So he basically made it to where it could only go in this packet. Right. I can't just say, oh, this is my FFL. I can't make mm -hmm. a copy of it. Mm -hmm. um, some FFLs are wary of giving their uh, giving a copy of, of their license to individuals. Yeah, but if if you say to them, hey, this is for the CMP, you know, write on it whatever you want. So that right. way I can't use it. I'm sure most people have dealt with the CMP before. Right. And they'll use it. So, so if you want to buy from like a regular online re retailer, right? What, how how does that work? Okay, well? so basically, if you were to buy from a uh, a retailer out of state, this is for mostly out of state, you know, buy online, right, right. purchases, right? You basically contact them and say, hey, or it depends. I'm going to use Gunbroker for an example, right? Because Everyone, I think everybody knows Gunbroker, right? Gunbroker is an online auction right. form. 
basically the first thing you have to do is make sure the gun that you're buying is legal in this, in New York State if you're a New York resident like us. Right. Or that if it's a handgun, you you know, you can are allowed to have it if you're law enforcement, if you're exempt. Right. Depending on the seller, if it's a private individual that's selling on gun broker, mm-hmm. you have to ask your FFL that's receiving it, "Hey, do you accept from private individuals?" Right. Some dealers in New York State don't, and they cite like a weird law, but it's not law. It's it's kind of BS. Mm. So, but we're not going to talk about that. We're going to say that a gun shop, like a pawn shop out of state, is selling a gun on Gunbroker, and you right. win it. Okay. What you have to do is go to your local FFL and say, "Hey, I won this gun from this dealer. Um, can you please send your FFL information to them? Or if it's a bigger, larger dealer, they might have it on file with right. them already, or like a big." like Classic Firearms or JG, one of these mm-hmm. big online buds mm-hmm. gun shop. They might already have the FFL on file. But you go to your local FFL or you could call them, submit. It's a lot of times they have a thing on their website where you could submit, hey, send your FFL to this person or fax it or whatever. Mm-hmm. So your local FFL has to send a copy of their FFL to the seller of the firearm, the dealer that's out of state. Let's and just how do say. they do that? Fax, well, email. They'll know how to do it or do you need to provide them? No, something? no, no. They, they'll fax it or email it okay. to them. Um, a lot of times when you when you buy a gun from out of state, they'll give you the contact details and say, hey, this is the email that you have to send the FFL to okay. and then the, the okay. dealer will sell them. Okay. So the local dealer sends their FFL information to the seller. The seller takes that information then, mm-hmm. logs it in his book because he's transferring that gun to that dealer. Right. So in their A&D book, they're going to say this firearm, this serial number going to this FFL, right. license number, whatever. Right. They pack it up, ship it out. They should give you a tracking number. They're right. reputable. Right. Then you just wait anxiously. <laughs> <laughs> Usually I find that when you ship a gun to New York, it's anywhere like 30 to $50 usually. In shipping? Yeah, in okay. shipping. And that's why with these M1 rifles from the CMP, I mean, right. free overnight shipping, right. that's great. Um, so they ship it to your FFL. The FFL then receives it, calls you and says, hey, I got your gun here. Come pick it up. Now, I'm not sure about the process for handguns because I don't have a permit. I don't have handguns. Mm-hmm. I'm just talking about rifle shotguns. Well, I have to assume it's, it's probably similar, similar as the far only as thing the shipping is, process, but somebody yeah. somewhere along the line needs to, uh, needs to confirm that you have a license. Right. So obviously you're going to confirm you know the seller probably the, the local ffl that you confirm that right that you have a license it, and right. yeah and then basically i believe the way it works is once the gun gets here you then have to get a permit like a purchase permit from whatever issuing like county or sheriff mm-hmm. then you have to take that to the store then you got to take the gun back to the to the sheriff or county right. police to Just get it added to your license assuming and then, that you are a private citizen and not right not law enforcement, know, law enforcement right the, the, the rules you do have to do still do all this process is just a little different for law enforcement officers. Right, but, right. You know, also, depending if, on the county that you live in. Right. I only know Nassau and Suffolk. It's like a lot of back and forth. Yeah, it's a you lot of back bring and forth. you got to bring the gun. they got to verify right. the serial number. Right. they add it right. to your license, it's and you got to bring it back to the store. Forth. Yeah. But so and, this and is just... for those of you who don't know, the, the uh, state police headquarters here is, what, in Riverhead? Uh, Yapank yeah. in Suffolk County. So yeah, if you live in western Suffolk County, it's like an hour ride. And you got to do that, I think, twice. Yeah, because you have to... Buy it, then go there, then come back, and then pick the gun up, right. and go there, have it added, and then go home. Right, basically. I mean, it's a lot so of driving. So you're there twice. It's a full, it's a full day thing. Right, you got to take the day off from work. Right, I mean, of, day of off. course. They're, they're going to make it as hard as possible for right. you. Right. Know, so. And like I said, upstate counties, it's probably different. I don't know. Mm-hmm. Check with your local laws right. and law enforcement. But right. this is just for, like, if I'm ordering an M1, let's just right. say from a right. dealer. So the dealer calls and says, hey, Taylor, I got your M1 here. Come in. Um, do the background check, pick it up, and then you're good to go. So I go right. to the dealer. I look over the gun. I make sure nothing's wrong with it. I had an incident once where I picked up a Polish uh, WZ-29 
uh, Mauser. Uh, basically, it's a K98, but Polish mm-hmm. made. Mm-hmm. And the, the seller, allegedly the seller said, well, let me backtrack. I'm looking in the box. I'm like, the bolt's not in the box. I'm like, Shit. the guy, and luckily the people at the shop that I go to open the box right in front of me. Like, I know they didn't misplace it because literally they cut the box open. I took it out. I'm looking right. through all the, the packing materials like a madman. I called the seller and I'm like, hey, man, there's no bolt in this box. He's like, what? I'm like, yeah, there's no bolt in the box for the gun. He's like, oh, I, he had it shipped from an FFL in his area. And he's like, you know what? I'm going to call them because I, I wrapped the bolt separately, which a lot of times you should do. Right. And put a note bolt in box. Don't throw away. Mm-hmm. Because if the bolt's in the box, it can poke through the box or break something or whatever. So he got back to me and said, oh, it's still on the counter of their gun shop. They forgot to put it in the box. Oh so he he shipped it out to me, no problem. Nice guy, great guy. Right. He shipped it out to me, no problems. But that's one thing you should look at when you receive the gun. Yeah, make sure Before the you box. transfer it to you and leave that store, if there's a problem, you got to contact the seller and say, hey, this isn't what I ordered. Missing this. Stock's cracked. Mm-hmm. Whatever. Mm-hmm. Take pictures. Um, and then you do your forty-four seventy-three, and then hopefully in a couple of minutes you pay them the transfer and you walk out. And for those who don't know what a forty-four seventy-three is, the NICS check, the background National Instant Criminal Check System. So the background check, um, you know, basically you fill it out, name, address, where you were born, mm-hmm. ethnic details about you, which I think is kind of bullshit. Which, I don't know why the government would ever. Because <laughs> they want to know how many Latinos or non-Latinos are buying firearms. It's funny. They, they break it down. The first part of it is non-Latino or Latino. Basically, it's like two boxes, and then it gets right. into the, are you white? Are you black? Are you Asian? Right. Are you this? Right. I'm like, what? what? Yeah, why? I th- yeah, I don't know. It has nothing to do with it. And then you answer if you're a fugitive from justice, if you're an unlawful user of you know drugs and so on and so forth. Right. And they run it. Hopefully, in a couple of minutes, you'll get a, a, a proceed, <laughs> right? And then you take your gun home. Which is one benefit of ordering an M1 through the CMP is you don't have to go through all that. If you live outside of New York, they'll just ship it straight to your house. Right. No, but in New York, you do have right. to go through You have that. to go through the dealer. And the process of buying a firearm just from a it retailer is the same. Is the minus, same. Minus, minus the waiting. sending the, the paperwork right. to from one FFL to the other. Like if you just walked into you know a gun shop on Long Island or wherever you're at. In New York. And you... By if you say hey I want that one you know behind the counter they they do the forty four seventy three for right. you and then pay you pass and, and you that's it man yeah. you pay them and you and you bring it home yeah that's no, basically is there a waiting it. period for for uh, rifles no the only waiting period you would find is if there's a delay in the background check for okay. whatever reason okay because I know recently I I don't, I don't remember exactly when but I know Cuomo was talking about a waiting period a waiting period and all that <sighs> which is a lot of bullshit in my opinion <laughs> because you know what if you're gonna buy a gun now or three days from now no, what's the difference they they say it's a cooling off period if you're so if you're so angry and you're so hot you're just gonna go out and buy a gun and blast people it's like right. that, that's not how it works right Ugh. it's just more of a delay and more inconvenience from you owning a firearm it's just another and layer. then the one handgun right. a month in virginia i'm like what does it matter what business is of, of what business is it of yours how many, how many guns i, I buy, buy. right, right. Am I am I committing a crime? No, then right. like screw off. Right, and a lot of the argument with a lot of these different gun laws with with people who don't, you know, who may not be the utmost uh, supporter of it is they say, well, you know, why do you need? Why do you need like you know a thirty round magazine or why do you need a gun that's that could fire X, Y, and Z speed? No. Well, you know what? It's not a it's not a question of need. Okay, no. it's a question of want. It's a right. You know, why why do you, well that too? But as far as you know, large capacity magazines, mm-hmm. it's not a it's not really um. A question of why do I need to have thirty rounds in a magazine? It's it's more of a question of I 
fucking want 30 rounds. Right. I think that's the best way that's going to defend my family, my property, my life. And when people, when people always, uh, when people say that to me, I always hit them back with, you know, when they, when they hit me with a, well, why do you need 30 rounds in your magazine? I say, well, why do you need a car that can go 200 miles an hour? Right. Why do you need a $4 million home? You don't need any of that. No. Right. You just want it. Right. Because you can have it. And that's really what it comes down to, at least for me. I mean, even all this, what's going on in the, in the country right now with all the civil unrest, what happened recently in Kenosha, Wisconsin, I'm sure you, you heard about that. Which, which, uh, it happened two days ago. Um, uh, all the, uh, the shooting over there. Yeah. Yeah, man, that's, I mean, more things are going to come out. That's uh, that's the one with the, with the guy, he went into the car and they shot him like seven times in the back. Yeah. I, you know, I saw the video, the video you can't really see, but, um, I read, I read some news about that and the, the, the what's being said right now on well on one side is that you know they shot an, another unarmed black man it was it looked like white cops yeah, um, yeah which you know that's 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 one I don't side think race should have anything to do with it i don't think was, race does have to do was with it, it justified was it not justified well, what was we're the not we're not gonna know yet right. but one of the the circumstances that's not being really you know put out there in the news right now is that the uh the suspect was armed with a knife he was told to drop it several times. He refused. Right. Officers deployed a taser, which, you know, if you guys don't have any experience in tasers, you know that they, you they don't, work they don't the always time. work. No. Okay. Um, they don't go through clothing. They that, don't. Right. And then it's very, it has two barbs that come out. If one misses, you don't have, yeah. there's no contact. And then uh, going further, um, this gentleman had said to the police, I have a gun in my car. I'm going to go get it. And as they tried to stop Allegedly. him, right, he made his way into the car. Unfortunately, that's when. They say the that open fire. well, when the video I saw, not to get too deep into this, but this kind of gets into a lot of civil unrest. But right. the video that I saw is very short. They already had the guns out on him as he was walking around the front of the car. Right. The narrative was that he was going t- into his car to check on his kids. Now, right. if he was already on one side of the car, couldn't he just opened up the door from that side of the car to look in at his kids? Right. He went around to the driver's door. Which, if you're driving a car, and let's just say allegedly, again, allegedly, I don't know, you do have a gun, it would be kind of where you were sitting. I don't know all the details, but the the disheartening thing to me is what happened to the city of Kenosha afterwards. I saw videos, they they broke the windows of the library, and I'm like, what what does the library have to do with anything? Look, I get it. Um, You're uh, angry. We, you know, Taylor and I might not know what it's like to be a person of color. No, I don't. In in the world, in general. Um, But... You know, we as people need to look at the full circumstances right. of a situation. Right. It's so easy to watch. I mean, the video was what fifteen oh, seconds. Yeah. You know, there's that that whole interaction was probably thirty minutes. And you know what? If the police officers were in the wrong, hopefully then they'll the be held justice accountable. System which, will hold them accountable. Which I know a lot of people say that oh, officers are not held accountable and all that. They well, are. The 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 reason why people think that is because the law looks at situations from from based on the law you know just because you feel a certain way right. about a situation doesn't mean that the the law doesn't see color or is not supposed to see color right Justice supposed to be blind, is blind right. right and 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 for a I'm long time say, it wasn't right, but exactly this is 2020 here like right let's get with the I mean, program when you look at certain situations where some people are, are killed unfortunately like a lot of the time when you really look at it, it's like the the law did act the way the law was supposed to as far as like the criminal justice right. system, the courts and all that stuff. And and you know what? You have, you have a right as a private citizen to, to disagree. Right. You know? Exactly. And, I, and I'm, I, I, I support it. Well, I think what Taylor and I are saying is we don't support, you know, the burning down of cities. And... It's very disheartening to see the senseless 
violence and rioting yeah. and looting. Like, what is breaking the li- the windows of a library have anything to yeah. do with this person passing yeah. away? What is right. setting trucks on fire have to do yeah. with anything of this person passing away? Right. And, you know, this gets now back into what I was getting at with the whole need versus one argument of a 30-round magazine or owning a gun. You know, we're kind of removed from this. We live in the suburbs. We don't live in a right. city. We don't right. live where this is going on. But a lot of people in those areas are are like, well, I need a gun. I have a pe- like I have a group of 40 or 50 people marching down my street. They're shining lights into my right. windows right. saying, get out of your houses, do this. Right. I want a gun. I'm not going to shoot anybody with it, but if I ever needed to, right. I would want it. Right. I mean, well, I, I, I forget where I was, but there was that couple that had oh, their, yeah. they had their, um, their oh, like, land yeah. broken into, essentially. The they McCloskeys. came out with their guns. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Um, that was they, in Louisville? Uh, yeah, St. Louis or Louisville? I exactly where it was, but, you oh, know, I yeah. mean, oh, it, it, it was effective, right? I mean, they did have to go through yeah. the confiscation yeah. of their firearms. And I mean, they, look, they that woman was waving a, a gun at people. I, I don't I don't agree with that. She was yeah, well, literally walking up to people waving it around. Her firearm safety wasn't exactly her But you know what? Two people standing on their own property with firearms? That's American with that it's american it's it's as american saying as, keep moving or, get off my property right. i feel threatened right and you know what i would have done the same thing yeah. and i think those people were arrested or dealt yeah, with they but, went through the, but 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 i mean i think at this point the charges were now dropped yeah they were dropped i mean they still got dragged through the ringer but like we said in another episode you're 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 gonna be right you know you're gonna be because again the cops the police officers who show up they they can't just let right. you walk away right um you know but Exactly. It is what it is. At the end of the day, this is another example of just because people, the the populace as a whole, had a had an emotion right. dealt, you know, associated with seeing these people with guns um, defending themselves, doesn't mean that at the end of the day they're going to be charged and they're going right. to be thrown in jail. Right. Um, so right. that worked out for them, I guess. You know. Now and getting they, getting off of this because it it's kind of one of these things where. I don't want to get too much into it because everyone knows what's going on in the country. Everyone has a strong opinion on it. But like like John and I said, we support the right of people to have firearms, mm-hmm. use them in self-defense, and we don't support the senseless destruction of cities and towns and, yeah. and people's businesses being mm-hmm. destroyed, their livelihoods being ruined. I mean, Corona but, already had right. an impact enough to where people's businesses were shut right. down. Now you have to worry about it being set on fire right. and broken I mean, into. look, I, as if you're a citizen, right, and you're and you're very angry at the way the government is handling a certain situation and Take look, it out if on you the if you want to bur- if you look if you want to burn down government buildings okay <laughs> right if you want to burn down government if you want to set fire to to police Port vehicles houses. we don't not that we agree with it but look i mean i can get i can kind of get behind that's that with more whom, that's with whom your problem right? is against. i can get that behind more than burning down a wendy's right because <laughs> somebody was killed, killed in a wendy's party right line. exactly i mean i mean it just doesn't make, it's not no. like wendy's if you have a problem right, with the government, know, take it out with the government. Like, it's crazy, man. If you have Not, a problem with right. a person, it's, take it out with a person. Right. But don't get a bunch of other people involved in the mix. Yeah, it's it's upsetting to see. It is. I mean, it is. New York City in some parts were pretty destroyed. Oh, and, yeah. Uh, Soho was, yeah. was <laughs> decimated. Was like like I said in the last episode, lots of people walking around with new Rolexes and Gucci bags. Oh, God. <laughs> but anyway, getting back to the gun, because yeah. we, we talk a lot of politics and a lot of laws and stuff in other episodes, but I want this episode to be about the gun. Um, so yeah, we went over how to order a gun or how to buy a gun from a store, a rifle or a shotgun, a long gun. But right. I talk a lot about the CMP and yeah. tell well, me about the requirements. Right. Cause I think I'm going to, I think I'm going to have you hang out for a minute. We're oh gonna, yeah. Maybe we'll we're going to go over. Yeah. 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 So 
Uh, just from, straight from the CMP's website, I see a lot of videos and people posting on forums. How do I do this? How do I go about buying? The CMP website has all the information and paperwork you need. In this digital age, not everything is filled out online. Not everything is easily sent. You have to right. print it out, fill it out. Mm-hmm. Um, I'll so, put a link to the requirements page in the yeah, show notes. for sure. So by law, the CMP could sell surplus military firearms, ammunition, parts, and other items only to members of CMP-affiliated clubs who are also U.S. citizens over the age of 18 and 21 in some states and who are legally eligible to purchase a firearm to be eligible to purchase to be eligible to purchase a rifle from the CMP you must provide the following proof of US citizenship so that could be a birth certificate enhanced driver's license passport mm-hmm. proof of naturalization military ID etc your proof of age, which generally corresponds to your proof of citizenship if it's a passport, a driver's license, enhanced okay. driver's license. Some states like New right. York doesn't meet the federal definition for identification. No. So my passport, just a little anecdote, my passport just expired in June. So when I ordered these guns, I couldn't send them a copy of my passport. I sent them a copy of my birth certificate and a copy of my license. Okay, gotcha. And I wasn't about to renew my passport because I'm not going anywhere international. Right. And it's expensive too, right? Um, it's about 120, 160 bucks. Oh, okay. But, but to I, get, to get I should. Fresh, it's like 600 bucks, right? No, no, no. It's not that expensive. It's like 200. Oh, it's not bad. Oh no, not at all. Okay. And I should renew my passport because I work in aviation and right. I could, they could send me somewhere and you know whatever. <laughs> right. Um. So in some states, a driver's license is not sufficient because, like in New York, it doesn't meet the federal requirements for identification because they give driver's licenses to pretty much anyone. Yeah, yeah, everybody now. Um, The big one is a membership in a CMP-affiliated organization. So it says here you must provide a copy of your current membership card or other proof of membership. This requirement cannot be waived. The CMP currently has 2,000 affiliated organizations located in many parts of the country. So... A lot of times your local shooting club, um, mm-hmm. if you belong to a range, they might be a, c- c- a CMP-affiliated club. Even online forms. I believe the Long Island... Uh, there's a, there's well, a, what was uh, the one that you signed up for? Right. So the one I signed up for was the Garand Collectors Association. Mm-hmm. $25 a year. Right. And bad. you get... That's a CMP-affiliated club. That's going to be the one that I did. Right. It's great. They send you a great quarterly publication. Mm-hmm. It's really awesome. And it allows you to buy guns for the CMP. Right. Right. So there's a listing of uh, CMP-affiliated organizations online on the website. Also, if you need help locating one, you could call the CMP customer service. They could help find one for you. Um, Also, in addition to shooting clubs, the CMP has several special affiliates. Membership in these organizations satisfies a requirement for the purchase. They include congressionally chartered veterans associations such as the VFW, AL, DAV, MCL, etc., U.S. military services, active or reserves, the National Guard to include retirees, professional law enforcement organizations and associations such as the FOP, the NAPO, the NSA, etc. And what, what is this requirement for? This is this is to satisfy the membership in a CMP affiliated organization. Okay. So if you preser- if you belong to the Fraternal Order of Police, mm-hmm. that satisfies your requirement. Now, what was the um, what was the you, you said in a um, a law enforcement agency? If you um, basically, it says here professional law enforcement organizations, okay. such as the Fraternal oh, Order of Police, okay. yeah, right. the FOP, okay, right, and also, and oh. then the last one they list right. is the Grand Collectors Association. Okay, good. But one thing it notes here is that club membership is required for purchase of rifles, parts, and ammunition. It is not required for instructional publications or videos or CMP memorabilia, mm-hmm. like hats and whatever else. Right. So also, they say you must have. Uh, provide proof of participation in a marksmanship-related activity or otherwise showing familiarity with the safe handling of firearms and mm-hmm. range procedures. Mm-hmm. So, for example, if you com- if you compete in a shooting match, right. 
if you have your your scorecard or your record that you shot that that mm-hmm. qualifies you um well, a listing here of things that also qualifies you are current or past military service, mm-hmm. current or past law enforcement service, participation in a rifle, pistol, air gun, or shotgun competition where you have to provide copy of the results bulletin, mm-hmm. competition of marksmanship, uh, completion of marksmanship clinic that include live fire training where you have to provide a copy of the certificate of completion. Mm-hmm. A distinguished instructor or coach status. So I guess if you are an NRA certified instructor right. or something like that. Right. Right. A concealed carry license, which is a big thing. So hmm. if you have a CCL, yeah. you, you can that's just right. your marksmanship. Right. That's pretty good. Um, firearms owner identification cards that include live fire training, an FFL or CNR license. Mm. And that's one thing that I, I saw when I wanted to get my CNR license, as I stated in a previous episode, that would have fulfilled my marksmanship. Even though having one, you don't have to shoot anything you just have right. a ffl basically they just want to want you to show that you're involved in shooting sports or you're mm-hmm. familiar you're familiar with firearms and the safe handling of them so and this is how i the last one here is how i got my certification it says certification from a range or club official mm-hmm. or law enforcement officer witnessing right. shooting activity so they have a form that you that gets filled out basically i went to the range with john right as i've done for the past 10 years right he, and uh, we went through it's like um it's like a checkbox right and uh, each checkbox has a different requirement, and we just went through, and he demonstrated each requirement to me, and I checked off on it and signed it off. That's it, signed yeah. it off, and that's 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 pretty easy. Most people out there do know a police officer who would do this for right, them. or a range officer. It doesn't even right. have to be. Yeah, you just go to your range officer, show them the forms. I'm sure they'll be more than happy if they're not right. too busy. Right. Um, you also must be legally eligible to purchase a firearm. So. Basically, they're going to be. They have a very similar form to a NICS check that you have to get notarized mm-hmm. and sent to them. But that's basically authorizing them to run a background check right. on you. And the notarization is basically saying, "Hey, everything I wrote on this is true right. and accurate." And for those of you who might not know where to find a notary, your bank has a notary. Even most offices, right. if your HR person is there, they're right. often a notary because right. they have to notarize stuff. If, so if you don't, your bank will more than likely have a notary. Um, that's usually where I go, and it's right. free. If you have an account there, it's, yeah. it's totally free. So. Oh, yeah. Yeah, ask around. Um, you'd be surprised. Even some people who are who work from home have notaries. Lawyers, yeah. if you know any of those, you know, yeah. things like that. And then basically the last thing is the state requirements. So if you live in some states like New York, you just have to put in your FFL information. Right. Other than that, just fill out the paperwork, everything that's included in that, mail it in, and wait. Bad. And no. now from mailing, from the time you – Finish the application to mailing it in to the time you get your firearm. What's like that? What's that? (laughs) It depends. Sometimes, like the first order I did was really quick. So the first order, I mailed the packet on June fourth of twenty twenty. They received the packet because I put tracking on it. That's Mm -hmm. how I know they received it. Four days later on the eighth. Oh, it's not bad. The CMP verified the order on the sixteenth, and then it shipped out on June twenty second, and I received it the next day. Oh, nice. This order, though, took a little while longer, I guess, because they were doing catch-up from Corona and sure, everything. Yeah, so sense. this order, I put the mail, I put the packet in the mail on the 2nd of July. It was delivered the 6th of July. It was verified the 23rd of July. So they basically send you an email saying, hey, we got your order. You know, it's in process. Mm-hmm. Uh, I saw that the order was finally updated on the 6th, meaning that they actually assigned the order to a specific two of guns. Right, okay. Yeah. And then the order shipped out on the 20th, and then I got it on the 21st. It, it yeah, was delivered on the 21st, and I picked them up today. Right. Okay. 
because there was actually a really big delay in the background check system. The FFL that I went to does pre-approval. So I fill out a 4473. I email it to them mm-hmm. just to limit time people are in the right. store. They run the background check. They get a pre-authorization saying you're good to go. I come in, sign, fill out a wet copy of the 4473, right. and we just you know pay the transfer right. and I'm on my way. How much is a... Uh... At your specific place, um, not um, that we're going to drop any names. But right. What's your? What's your? Um, I mean, it depends. The transfer fee. Uh, like? It it depends. I I go to a local small place. They just do transfers for rifles and shotguns. They're not a gun store. They're actually a hardware store with an FFL. Oh, okay. So, um, they only charge me twenty dollars per gun. That's so it was bad. forty dollars. My normal gun shop that I go to for FFL for transfers, uh, like an actual gun store, mm. they charge thirty dollars per gun. Yeah. So. I mean, I mean, you shop around. Some places are ridiculously really high, and they me. charge there was one 50. Where they, yeah, 50, or yeah. they charge they charge to have it shipped into them and then charge to give it, yeah, give it's, it out to Yeah, it's you. ridiculous. I mean, Honestly. Don't pay right. crazy prices if you don't have right. it. What's, what's on average? What's like the market value, market price, I should say, average market price well, of, of a transfer? Like, what should people be looking for? It depends really on where you are. I mean, right. on Long Island... Um, Probably I'd say thirty dollars. Yeah. That's the average. Right. So if you upstate, go, some right. people might have a FFL out of the house, and it might right. only charge ten dollars right. or yeah. twenty. If you're going somewhere and they're saying, "Oh, it's fifty, sixty, seventy dollars," or it's thirty dollars, but it's thirty dollars to receive it, and then when you pick it up, it's another Ugh. thirty dollars. Yeah, go somewhere else. Right. If, look, if you want to shop DM around, us, if you want to DM us on Instagram or Facebook, we'd be happy to give you some options. Um, we're not going to tell you where to go, but we'll right. give you a couple different. Like options. if this sounds okay, or if this is crazy. Right. Normally they charge more for handguns too, just because I guess there's more paperwork involved. Sure, I can see and that. you know, you should pay an FFL for their time because they are providing you a service. Right. Right. But any FFL is going to do this service for you, right. so it's not like you're getting. It's not like it's a specialized thing right. that only a couple of them do. Every right. single one, for the most part. I mean, there are. I mean, Taylor knows I went to the place that I usually pick up my firearms, and they don't do them just because right. they don't have the capacity to hold guns right. waiting for people to come. They in mostly do new retail sales, right. and, and it's and it's basically just for law enforcement. Right, so they're not gonna. Yeah, they'll order you something in from a distributor, but right. they're not gonna do a transfer for, for another company. Right, right, right. And they, and I, I also have the feeling they deal mostly in handguns. Right, mostly in handguns, new items that they get right. from distributors, and you know you're not gonna go in there to buy an M1. You know, you're going to go in there to buy a Glock 19. Right. So, and some stores, um, you know, some FFLs, not to get too deep into this, because I could go on all day about this, but some FFLs won't transfer a gun to you if they sell it to you. So I I tell people generally, if you're looking at a gun online, and let's just say it's a new gun, like let's just say, uh, you Mm. know, a Mini 14. Right. If if the price is is less, factor in the cost of shipping and transfer. Any gun that I buy on GunBroker, I automatically add seventy dollars to, or any gun I'm looking at on For GunBroker, shipping, shipping and transfer. Now, right. what about, now, is there a tax when you buy from GunBroker? No, okay. because it's an out of state, and oh, if okay. it's also if it's from a private individual, they can't collect sales tax. Mm, so, sure. anytime I look at a gun on GunBroker, I look at the price and add seventy dollars because mm-hmm. that'll tell me, all right, is it worth it? You know, etc. Um, even if you're looking at a new gun online, think about it. If it's less than a hundred dollars price difference from what it is in the store. To what it is it's online, probably the same price. It's worth it to go right. into the store and buy it. You could look at it, unless there's something about like if you're buying a used, right? You know, something collectible, and well, there's something very specific yeah. about that gun that, and that's the reason why you want it. Some right. markings, or I or mostly whatever. deal in used firearms. Right. I I I think I bought one new firearm, and then I bought like AR receivers and stuff and parts, but like actual like a, a gun you could go to the store, get from the store, and then right. go and shoot. I right, bought right. one. <laughs> 
Right. <laughs> so, um, you know, I'm a little biased about this, but but basically, yeah, the, the used market is very different than a new market, but mm-hmm. I'm just talking about a new gun. Like, let's just say you see like a Marlin lever right. action. Right, right. And actually, this I say Marlin because this happened to a coworker. He was looking for a 30-30 Marlin for like months. Mm-hmm. He finally went to a local shop and they had one and they told him the price and it was a really good price. Right. And honestly, after the fact, he looked it up online and it was only a difference of like $60. Right. So, you know, even if you go buy it online, cost it, factor in the cost of shipping, shipping and transfer, and it, it, it doesn't right. save you anything and you're helping a local business. Right. Yeah, that's the whole thing. Like when we're talking about these transfer fees, a lot of people think transfer fees are like bullshit. But you have to remember when you're going into these stores, like right. you're you're taking you that know maybe a six hundred dollar sale and you're turning it into like a thirty dollar right. sale. It, it, it right. could hurt depending could on how hurt. busy the store is too. Right. You could tie up that counter person for a while, right. or if the paperwork takes a long time, or take some places. Space, yeah, and now they have to deal with. Now they're responsible for that. Right. Fire oh yeah, that's a big one too. So, you know. So also depending on if they use old school paper or if they're switched to computers, you mm-hmm. know, a lot. Right. I, I've been to a short store where they they had to get out the A and D book and they they have to write everything mm-hmm. down and then they they handwrite a receipt. Right. Right. The background check is done on paper as opposed yeah. to a computer. Oh yeah, I've, I've only I've done I've done them on paper, but recently I've only ever done them on uh, right online. Right, and it is it is a time computer. savings. Um, yeah. but you know, it I think that like I said. Going to a local shop, seeing what they have, and maybe working at a price is always a good way to yeah, go. Yeah, talk to people. Especially, right. you know, look, I'm not going to lie. I have been to gun shops where the, the people are very, oh, they're man. not very friendly. Okay, they look at you like you're an asshole. Right. Okay. And I don't know why that's the culture in some well, gun shops. Well, I think, I think I know why. I was talking about this with a coworker of mine. Okay. And I think it's because they get inundated with so much shit and right. crap from customers. I can see that. They get dumb questions every day. Right. They get people pointing guns at them. They right. get, you know, right. so I'm sure they have that right. calloused exterior i could see it i mean it is retail and then you got to add a couple extra points for right dealing dealing with firearms firearms right people's ignorance or people coming in and and asking the same dumb questions every day you know i do get it and then until you get a a a relationship with them to where they recognize you or they know you've been there before that's when the 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 barrier comes down a little bit right like you know the guys that i go to at my where i'm not gonna again say names but you know i know the guy there and i say hey you know, you, I'm not going to say his name, but right. you know, Hey, how you doing? And <laughs> right. I like, I could, I was in right. there at, at one point, like once or twice a month yeah. <laughs> getting cuts. Yeah. yeah. I mean, it's just, it's, uh, it prevents a lot of people from getting into it. I mean, it, it prevents a lot of people from, from getting into it. I think, I mean, I, there's a gun shop on Long Island. It's pretty well known. Uh, if we said the name, every, a lot of people would know. Uh, so I'm not gonna. And, um, Look, I, I heard a story of a, of a kid. He went in there. He, you know, he happened to be a police officer. He went in, and um, the people were very, very, very rude to him until he took out his shield and showed them, like, hey, like, I'm a cop. And then, you know, their whole demeanor toward him changed. Uh, I'm not really – that's a place that, personally, I'm not going to go. I think yeah. – There's many other places right. that I mean, you could go to to support. Right. So they, they lost a customer before they even might have had one just right. from me hearing that. And, and it's from a reputable person. It wasn't something they made up. So I know they're, tell, they know they're telling the truth. It sucks. Right. It sucks. Right. But, you know, until the culture changes and until people mm-hmm. actually get back out and into these shops and, right. you know, continue to support it, you know, obviously if you're buying a lot and trying to save money, it's a tough time. And obviously ammo is a big thing right now. And, right. you know, you go into some stores and you're like, are you crazy for charging that much for a box of ammo? Right. But then if you think about it, okay, if you were to buy two boxes of ammo online, only like, let's just say 40 rounds of ammo right. and have it shipped. And then in New York, yeah, some places point, only right. ship to dealers or to your door. It's like, okay, you could pay the couple extra bucks and just get it locally. Yeah. I mean, when I order 
online, I'm ordering in bulk. Right. There's no, I mean, I'm ordering like a thousand rounds at a time. Right. You know, because I so know. So it's worth I, it to save you, you money. Know, right, exactly. And, you know, usually, I mean, from at least from the place that I purchase from, you buy that many rounds, you're looking at free shipping, and yeah. the price kind of goes down because you're buying in bulk. Not that I have, like, an arsenal of ammunition, but, you know, like, I, I have to practice with my firearm. I do. You know, I buy I buy a lot of 9 millimeter. Yeah. You know, because you're somebody who I has have, to regularly train. Right. I, I and and not only the tra- the train that my agency provides to me. You know, they obviously provide to us ammunition that we have to use in our in our service weapons. But I do take that service weapon home oh, with yeah. me re- regular on a regular basis, and I go to the range and I do draw fire exercises just so right. I know that in the unlikely and hopefully you know never not, not that I ever have to use it, but in the unlikely event that I do have to use it, I know that I'm proficient in it. Right. You know, so I, I go through a lot of ammunition. Of course. And I actually also just one thing that not a lot of people know is if you buy a rifle from the CMP, you get a discount on ammo up to two cases, which is 400 rounds of ammo. I didn't know this the first order that I put in. And then actually a coworker told me about it. Is it how I mean, how steep is the discount? It's pretty significant. Really? Um, as of as of uh, August of 2020, they are asking for 200 rounds, $184, which is mm, steep. It's yeah. 30-06, but... Is that with the discount? No. The okay. discount is $134, oh. or $138 or $134. Okay. I don't have the invoice yeah, in front of me good. for 200 rounds. So it's like 72 cents versus like 90-something cents. Yeah, so, but also try finding 30-06 ammo. It's right. like, it's sold out everywhere. I should have right. bought it a while ago, I know, but right, I didn't right. own a gun before this. I shot 30-06. So well, I, I had no need to buy yeah, 30 out I think six. after the election's over and after the COVID stuff dies down. Things will return these, back to and normal. And after the, you know, the, the, the protests. Right. That it's like what happened in riot. 2012. Yeah, there's a lot. It's going to take a little bit, yeah, but it'll get, get back it'll to normal. Back. Yeah. So I got, I got, basically, I got 1,000 rounds of ammo. I bought two M1s and then I bought an extra 200 rounds. So I got 1,000 rounds right. of M1 ammo, a 30, 30 caliber, you know, 30 out six mm-hmm. that... I'm going to be receiving. They haven't shipped it out yet, but it's got to go to the FFL, and I got to go pick it up oh, again. Ship to your door, no, you know. no, not New York. You know, like, and is there a transfer fee for the ammo? Um, I think so, but I'm gonna, you know, I bought. Right. I just, you know, transfer guns, so the guy's easy to work with. Yeah. But um, there's probably a little fee, and you know, that's kind of annoying, yeah, but that's what it is. Good. So I, I tried. I wanted to order thirty out six from pretty much anywhere else, but nobody's got it. So. Right. right. All right. Well. I don't know. I don't think there's much more we could no. uh, talk about with this. <laughs> so, <laughs> you know, so if go you, out, get yourself right. an M1. Yeah. Um, a lot any, of, right. Sorry. Uh, if anyone has any questions about it, you can feel free to DM us oh, yeah. in the comments. We love reading that. Show so off Taylor, your M1. Yeah. Taylor sends me, you know, <laughs> screenshots of every time, you know, we're, we're getting like a lot of like positive right. response. Right. You know, and it's, I mean, we're just a couple of assholes. Yeah. <laughs> you, <laughs> you know, know I, it's, it's, it's cool. He'll send me a screenshot of something. And he's like, Oh, like people, people love it. And, it's right. great, man. If if any if anybody's out there and they and they're they can just yeah send us a comment like whatever it is yeah, like Instagram hey, this Facebook is cool. keep up the good work right. you know if you guys can share it whatever that'd be awesome yeah we you know, really like, appreciate the feedback right. I've been responding to people on Reddit on Instagram right. and you know mm-hmm. I I send John all the feedback we right. get and. I really do enjoy hearing from people because right, yeah. it kind of just validates what we're doing that, hey, there wasn't really anything specific right, for New right. York. And now you got now we're doing this and people really right. do enjoy it. Yeah, we we had our for our last episode, um, we had our most downloads ever on, on its <laughs> first day, which it's you know, it's it's it's, it's cool, small you know? still, it's, but it's still right. cool you know, seeing it's that small. But, you know, to see that, you know, from our first episode to our second, you know, it, it just about yeah. doubled on our on those first day right. lessons. And then from. 
you know that to the third episode it doubled right. so and we don't make exciting. we don't make any money from this this is just <laughs> no, us sitting in his bullshit. sitting in his yeah. office talking yeah, about shit right, yeah. i it mean is, so we're not even like these people like oh go check us out on this or patreon yeah, no. it's like we're you know, nowhere i mean if it ever comes to that it's oh, a long man. way away oh man no yeah. i because i mean a lot of the stuff that we talk about it doesn't need money it's just yeah. us sitting in front of a microphone <laughs> talking yeah and i i, I have a safe right. full of guns that we could talk about for a long while yeah we and, have plenty uh, of episodes we could do on that <laughs> So, I mean, even if people, some people are saying, hey, talk about this or talk about this, you know, if you guys have any ideas, send it to us. Yeah, One person said they us. lived in upstate and they're like, hey, I have a ton of ideas. And, you know, if you ever wanted ideas, I could send them to you yeah, or get them. the upstate perspective on things. Definitely. I'm like, yeah, send definitely. It. Send it. And just because you send something doesn't mean that we have to, you know, use your name or right. your, oh, your yeah, screen no. name or, you know, your handle online. You just tell us, you know, I don't want right. you to say my name or anything. That's fine. I mean, we know there's a level of anonymity that people like to have when it comes to firearms. But right. yeah, message us, send us DMs and comments and yeah, pictures. Yeah, yeah, if you want to send us pictures, pictures. you shooting your guns, your collection. Maybe if you got a cool historical gun you want to show off. Exactly. I love that we'll, shit. We'll talk about it. Like if you have a, if you have a cool gun that like, you know, is rare. Send us some pictures of it, man. Send us pictures or yeah, <laughs> send us pictures of it, and we we can, you know, if you want, we can post it on our Instagram yeah, and we can talk, talk about, about it. it yeah. yeah, I mean that'd be cool. That's you know, we don't have everything in the world, you know. Right. So. Yeah, I got a just a little anecdote before we end here. I got a gun currently at the gunsmith right now that it was a Hungarian M44 that was mm. allegedly used by the Kosovo Liberation Army, and uh, was captured and then brought back. Right. So that's pretty cool. It, we were going to talk about that at some point in the future when yeah, I get it back. Because also the process of finding a gunsmith, talking right. to a gunsmith, right. getting yeah, one. Idea. Yeah, because I've never done that before. I've never had to go bring something with gunsmith. But this well, required... if we're talking about seventy-seven, sixty-three. Yeah, everyone's a gunsmith. Now. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> <laughs> you are true. Yeah, exactly. that's right. All right. Well, All right. Well, sounds good. All right. And, uh, Excellent, John. I want to thank everybody out there. Thank you guys for tuning in. I really appreciate it. Please share it. All that good stuff. Yeah, man. We'll see you next week. All right. Cool. Hey everyone, thank you for listening to today's episode at the NY Gun Guys podcast. We do release a new episode every Monday. If you enjoyed the episode, please subscribe and leave us a five-star review. You can also find us on Instagram and Facebook at NY Gun Guys. Please give us a like, a follow, and a share. If you have any feedback or a suggestion for our future episode, definitely send us an email at info at nyguns.com. We'll see you next time. Be safe out there.